live from Planet Lovetron, but he speaks so well, with your host, Mr. Kinetic. All right, y'all, it's Mr. Kinetic, and this is the podcast, but he speaks so well. We're going to get into another mix for y'all. You know, I DJ as well. I do a lot of things, so let me run them down. Um, in my professional life, I'm an educator, currently working in a high school. I've worked in elementary school and middle school in the past, all public schools. Uh, I'm also a musician by heart is what I tell people. That's my first love. That's my first thing. Um, I play a couple different instruments, uh, primarily a bass player and can play some keys, a little bit of drums if you need me to hold it down. I, I can do that. But I'm also really skilled with the sampler, um, sampling records and all that kind of stuff like that. I've been doing that for a while now. Um, really long as I can remember, I've been trying to make sounds out of something. I had a plastic saxophone back when I was a little shorty, but anyway, um, and a plastic guitar with no strings. I thought I was Ernie Isley, but yo, so that's the podcast. That's that, that. This is another extension of, of who I am as a person. Uh, the podcast, I feel like is a space where I can communicate ideas that are not always readily communicatable, communicable. You know, we just making up words. It's whatever you understood what I meant. Um, and so I use the podcast to do that. There are old episodes if you want to go back and check those out. It's But He Speaks So Well is the name of the podcast. Um, you can check out the old episodes where I did a little bit more talking than I've been doing lately. Really, I've just been more into communicating myself and my feelings and my expressions through through recorded music, be it mine or other people's. And so that's why you've been hearing a lot of mixes that have been in the orientation in which they've been in. That's been my way of trying to just express myself and talk a little bit, just talk through the music. But anyway, so on this episode, this this is a special episode, honestly. We we got it rolling the tape as well. So I might put a couple of cassette tapes of the mix out in the wild. And if you find one cool, boom, it'll be dope. Um, and then I'm also recording it and going to put it up. You'll hear it on the podcast channel, which I normally get to it through Apple. I don't really know of any other ways to put it up. I think I can put it on Spotify and stuff like that, but I, I haven't gotten all of that. You can also get it at my website, which is which is mrkinetic.com m-r-k-i-n-e-t-i-k.com stay tuned with me for all things um i got some merchandise i'm working on getting out some new music will be coming out before the end of the year uh and then this mix and obviously just some couple other things working on a uh reflection piece for a uh educator seminar i went on went to down in the delta in mississippi delta and uh, i took a stop over in montgomery alabama and went to the legacy museum and the memorial for peace and justice uh this brand new stuff so i, I got a lot of a lot of stuff i want to try to try to talk about in a in a in a written format so stay tuned for that as well i'm on all social media platforms primarily twitter and instagram at mr kinetic m-r-k-i-n-e-t-i-k check my stories out on instagram that's where i put a lot of content um but i also keep stuff on my pages but between you know eh, whatever Let's let's play this music. This first one is coming from uh, somebody who actually I, I really I really respect this brother because he will like respond on the internet. I've had you know short conversations, but just a little back and forth every now and then with this with this brother. And he's uh, one of my favorite artists. I love his story. He was a he was a always been a musician. Always been making music since he was a teenager and probably even younger. But he had some real you know quote unquote real jobs in between there. Uh, you know, nine to five type stuff. And he never gave up on his music, never stopped making music. And he kept making it. And then eventually it got picked up 
uh, by Stone's Throw out in, out in L.A. And he is what I like to say is the the architect of, of what, what you would call modern funk, if you want to call it that. But he is one of the funkiest brothers out right now. And you can just tell that the funk is is authentic. It's not something that he has to practice. It's, you could tell that it's who he is and it's embedded in the fabric of his of his spirit because that's what he does. This is Dame Funk. And this joint is called We Continue from his, uh, let's see, 2015 album, Invite the Light. Everything is going to be all vinyl today. So if you hear some pops and snaps or skips or whatever, it is what it is. Oh, 
Especially when I'm like, yo, I need something. I need, yeah, I need to get funkatized. You know, I need to get energized real quick with the funk. Dame Funk is really good for that. Shout out to that man. All right, this next one is uh, by Taylor McFerrin. Taylor McFerrin. You can do your do your own homework on that McFerrin last name. But Taylor McFerrin is his name. This is a, this is a joint I've probably played a million times. I love this record. This is from 2014. And uh, this song is called Florasia, and it is a just, I'm sorry to talk it up, but man, I really, really, really enjoy this song. Everything you hear on this song is played by Taylor McFerrin, by the way. He is incredibly talented, incredibly talented. Saw him live uh, at the Jazz Kitchen in Indianapolis, uh, let's see, last year? Uh, Whenever, at, at Jazz Fest, it was a late night set. I had played like a wedding or something like that. And I came to the jazz kitchen and I was late when I showed up. I thought I was going to miss it. And I got there and they hadn't started yet. And it was a great set. He played by himself. He did like a one-man band kind of thing and had it all hooked up. You know, had like a keyboard and, you know, like a controller with Ableton and stuff like that. He was, it was, it was incredible. It was dope. And at one point, he like invited MCs on the stage. And he was just kind of like playing a little loop. And me and a couple of my homies got up there, my boy Firay. And my brother, Rusty Rembacher, we got up there and kicked some bars. So that's my Taylor McFerrin story, I guess. But this next one is called Florasia from his 2014 album titled Early Riser, uh, available on Brain Feeder Records. Just drinking out your 
say it's a classic this is uh from 1987 none other than keith sweat <laughs> i bet uh, i wonder if keith sweat ever got an intro like that none other than keith sweat keith sweat no uh, anyway <laughs> this joint is called i want her it's written by keith sweat and teddy riley teddy riley young teddy riley going off you read the credits on here he was doing the keyboards and drum programs he's also on some of the background vocals you know teddy was just Woo. Teddy was really look Teddy Riley listen Psh, Teddy Riley man Teddy Riley is a legend Teddy Riley is an incredible monster legend he's involved been involved with so much dope music Teddy Riley got credits on Michael Jackson albums Teddy Riley was just what Teddy Riley man listen I don't even have the time to tell you but Keith Sweat gotta give it Keith Sweat had his Keith Sweat got like the a unique style you could call it crooning yeah that's heard me the needles giving over here you could call it crooning or something like that but i really think it's just like a i don't know it's hard to it's hard to say teddy riley just got his own thing so uh we're gonna play this one right here once again this one is called i want her this is probably this is the lead single i think off of this record but you also get uh make it last forever there's another classic that's on this record um don't stop your love is another one. Something just ain't right. There's there's some cuts on this record. You should pick this one up. Make it last forever, by Keith Sweat from 1987. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh man, it's a record, man. I'm telling y'all, it's live. It's live and it's vinyl, baby. And sometimes it'd be like that. Come on, there we go. Let's bring it back. Come on, Keith. So great. Keith Sweat, man. Keith Sweat is so great. Hearing Keith Sweat records will forever remind me of my father, though. My father, man. He, it, woo. Let some Keith Sweat come on. My dad swore he was Keith Sweat. Let me tell you. I wanna. That's my dad. Dumbest understand me. Such a great record. Um, yeah, I should also point out that a lot of these records, I mean, I may have listened to them, but a lot of this is spur of the moment. I know what I got in my in my collection, so I just figured I'd pull some stuff. But I've been pulling them in between songs, really, just to give you, I don't know, an in-the-moment kind of thing. I think it's fun this way. Next record coming up, though, is uh, we're going to shift gears just a tad, but not too much. This, this, this came out around the same time as Key Sweat. So this is in 1989, and the name of this album is uh, Stronger Than Pride by a band that you may know called Sade. Um, of course, they're, those of you that don't know, they're named after the lead singer. That's, the, that's her name. It is a much longer name than that that I'd have to look up to tell you. But she produced, she's got the head produced and arranged by Sade, which would be the, well, that'd be the group. Never mind. Um, so I like to look at, I've always liked to look at the credits on the records. It's just more fun that way. So there's some studio musicians that are playing with them too. If you if you want to get into that kind of thing, but let's see. This song uh, was written by her though. The lyrics looks like she wrote the lyrics to everything on the album. She wrote the lyrics to everything on the album, and she has a writing credit for the music for everything on the album as well. And uh, this, ooh, I just this is a great record. Um, so what I'm gonna play is nothing. Nothing Can Come Between Us. It's a record I'm going to play from this album. So this is uh, Sade, Nothing Can Come Between Us, from the album Stronger Than Pride in 1988, uh, available on Epic Records.
Sade with Nothing Can Come Between Us from the 1988 album Stronger Than Pride. That's a jam right there. That's some that's some good jamming music. We're going to switch gears again right here. This next one is uh, by Brothers on, on Stax Records. This is uh, from 1972. This is Frederick Knight, possibly only really known for this song in particular. One of these, one of a song that... Uh, I remember hearing when I was, man, I was probably in, I don't know. It was like one of the first CDs I remember my parents having was like the greatest hits from Stax. And uh, one of them, one of the tunes on there was this song, I've Been Lonely for So Long. And I always liked it uh, because it was weird sounding to me in the sense that it was kind of like, it wasn't exactly what I expected from a soul record. But at the same time, it's very soulful. And recently, I went to a National Endowment for the Humanities uh, seminar called The Most Southern Place on Earth. And it was about the Mississippi Delta and every, you know, everything about it. There's a lot of stuff in the Mississippi Delta that you would need to know. And I'm not going to try to teach you all of it right now. I don't have enough background information and just rattle it off like that but we learned about a lot of different things and uh one of the places we went while we were down there we went up to memphis because memphis is kind of like it's not in it's not in mississippi uh obviously memphis tennessee but it is like the major northern point of the delta so there was a lot of business that took place in memphis uh, especially when cotton production was still going on um heavily in the south especially in mississippi but memphis was an important place and so there's stacks records uh stacks records is in memphis uh or was in memphis anyway it has been has since been rebuilt after it was destroyed but it's been rebuilt i've been to the museum it's incredible if you ever get a chance to go to the stacks museum in memphis you need to do that it is awesome um you know if you're listening to this and you enjoy music and on any level I highly recommend it. It is an absolutely fabulous place to visit. So um, Stax Records was one of their first record labels I could probably name. I just remember like the the uh, the hand symbol looked like somebody was snapping. And uh, I remember this song was on 
that greatest hit CD. And after going to Memphis and going to the Delta, I get, I totally get why the song sounds like it does. It makes sense for it to sound like it does, given where it was made and given, you know, the, the environment. Um, I'm not sure how many of you have been to Memphis or to the Delta, but if you've been there, you know there's a certain sense of uh, uh, calling it country is not fair, but it's got a certain sense of because of the connotations of country. I don't want to say that it's country, but it's got a sense of authenticity that I felt at least and saw and heard when I was there. Everything felt real um, to me while I was there. Everything had a certain degree of realness to it, um, even even if it was veiled behind something, I still knew that it was it was it was it was real. It was authentic. Um, some degree of it was authentic, but for the most part, um, it just felt. I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. I know when I hear this again, I'm gonna be like, Mark, that doesn't make any sense. But um, what I what it what it felt like to me was that what you were the things that were created in the Delta artistically especially things that were created in the delta artistically that was just a representation that was it that was it wasn't nobody putting on no airs or nothing like that or trying to be something that they weren't they were they were they were working with and channeling and allowing a part of them and a part of you know what they knew from where they were from come through and this song is just that and i love this record it's kind of <laughs> i love it it's uh brilliant this this is a record i wish i could take credit for actually so this is uh, Frederick Knight. I've been lonely for so long. Uh, it was released in 1973, but it looks like it might have been published in 1972, the actual song. So according to the, the credits on the back of the record. <laughs> Yes. 
what it feels like to be lonely To have your friends turn their backs on you Yes, I've been lonely To never know the real meaning of peace of mind Frederick Knight right there with I've Been Lonely for So Long from 1973 on his album of the same name, I've Been Lonely for So Long. And you, when you hear that, it's got a little just, I think a lot of people listen to that and be like, oh, that's country. Well, I'm going to tell you, after going to the Mississippi Delta and meeting people in Mississippi and talking to them and learning the history. Of course, yeah, it definitely has an element of country in it because a lot of what people first heard was from the Delta. The kind of guitar playing, Charlie Patton and Sun House and the two real big names, but the Robert Johnson, you know, Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, I don't think she was from the Delta. I'm not sure if she was. I don't think she was, but Sister Rosetta Thorpe and, you know, there, there had that music people were familiar with, and then you get on up to Memphis. I also got a chance to go to this, uh, the Sun Records, uh, which is in Memphis as well. That museum is awesome too. And you get there and you learn about how, you know, Sam Phillips was his thing was he would record anywhere, anytime, you know, anything, you know. So he was, you know, interloping and heard music being made by. Uh, african-americans down in memphis and across the border over in west memphis and arkansas i think is where it is and you know he really wanted to work to record and document the music because he knew people weren't doing it and so what he did you know he got his little recording outfit together and then he started recording stuff but what he one of the things that the tour the tour guy was telling us was that you know at the time um you couldn't really get off into too many drums and backbeats on a country record because that would be considered rhythm and blues and you know being like it was at that time i'm sure there were some places probably more than a few that were not trying to do anything that could be readily identifiable as something that black people were doing they were willing to do it if they changed it enough that it didn't look just like it or sound just like it. So when you listen to a lot of early country records, especially some of the records on Sun, ain't no drums on those records. Um, one of the things that the tour guy told us is that Johnny Cash would take like a dollar bill or a piece of paper and wrap it around the neck of his guitar and you just kind of strum along to it to give you kind of that that little sound that you hear. But there are no drums. But anyway, point being, you go back far enough and you listen to enough old blues, you will find that a lot of it has elements in it that a lot of people now 
would say it's country. And we tend to think of country as a music that is dominated by white people. Um, and it, I guess in this sense, now it is. Um, but one thing that is important to remember is that the origins, there are definitely, or there were definitely, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that country solely originated from what black people were doing and white people stole it. Um, it's more complicated than that. Um, white people were playing music too. So it wasn't like, you know, they just walked past and heard it and stole it. Um, but there are definitely elements in it that are very much black. And I think we tend to not think about that a lot. We don't talk about that a lot. And what that does, uh, for those of you that are just tuning in and don't know me, you know, I'm an African-American male and I remember growing, I grew up in America. I went to American public schools and a number of States and one of the things that I can always remember is that I always had a greater connection to areas of study that I knew that black people had something to do with and that we were involved in in some way. So whether we were a first or a few or we were predominant in the in the area, those were the things I latched on to. And growing up, I didn't hear nothing about no black people playing country. It just wasn't something that I heard. I got a little bit older and my, and my dad was like, oh, you ain't never heard of Charlie Pride. And, you know, I'm like, huh? who, who, you know, so the, we get some of that later. But what I'm saying is that when we talk about things in public spaces and we create narratives, we need to do our work to make complete narratives as much as we can. I know it's impossible to have an entire narrative um, ho- like totally complete and have all the parts in it at all the times. That's. I mean, that's that's why education and why learning is a process, because it takes a long time to get a lot of information. And we still never really get it all because all of it hasn't been documented and all of it hasn't been shared. But what we do have available and what we can share, we should always be working to create complete presentations of information so that we can say, yes, when you think about country now, most of the people who are stars are white. But long time ago there were black people who played music that you would probably consider country now including some of the delta blues and also some of the hill country blues in mississippi and you could even say some of the east texas blues there's plenty of examples that you can look at and think like man this sounds kind of country lead belly is another example uh, mississippi uh fred mcdowell uh rl burnside uh super chicken um Let's see, Howlin' Matt Perry is another blues guy. He'd be more of a Delta blues guy. But anyway, when you hear that stuff and you hear that jangling around in that guitar and it's just, you know, just kind of, you know, it's just got that thing to it, you know? Black people have been doing that for a long time. And that's not to say that other people haven't been doing it, but it's important to point out that we've been doing it too. Because I think a lot of times we get left out. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of reasons why that happens. But I think as an adult, as a grown adult, I have a responsibility. Uh, I feel like I have a responsibility um, while I'm able and feel led to do so to learn about these things and, you know, just kind of pass it on. So if you want, you know, you can rewind this and you can check out some of those names. They got some really great blues. A lot of it. I I don't have a lot of that on vinyl. But, uh, yeah, those are people you can check out. So dig this. I think we're getting close to the end of side A. So I'm going to stop the tape. I'm going to flip the tape and then I'll be back in just a minute. This is Mr. Kinetic on Buddy Speaks So Well.
Well, I lied. That tape is actually fine for now, so we're going to run another jam. It's been a while since I've made a tape like this, uh, and I kind of forgot, you know, I'm off a little bit on judging my distances about how much is left on the tape. So this song might make it for the rest of the first side, and if not, you just flip it over and catch it. All right, this one is uh, called Your Love Keeps Me Satisfied. This is by DJ Rogers uh, off of an album called Trust Me. This is from 1979. Love DJ Rogers. DJ Rogers is kind of like, he has two different careers. He has a lot of R&B stuff. And then DJ Rogers uh, became a born-again Christian and started making music uh, that's more gospel influenced. But DJ Rogers has an incredible catalog, and I am a huge fan of his music. Um, I think you should check him out when you get a chance. But this one, I, I'm, in part, I'm partial to this one. This is, a, this is just a funky jam, but I love a good funky love song, and that's what Your Love Keeps Me Satisfied is. And just for credits, clarifications, he re- he wrote this song. And let's see, what's he playing on this? He's singing and he's playing all the keys on this record. Um, also on bass, you got Kenny Burke. Kenny Burke is from Keep Rising to the Top, which you might know. Keep rising to the top. Give me all you got. Same Kenny Burke. He's playing bass on this record. And then James Gatson is on drums. So you can look him up too. James Gatson is a monster. James Gatson is on all kinds of records. So... Um, it's cool like that when you read the the credits on records you find out man some you got people all over the place that that you really enjoy and love and you're like oh dang i didn't know they did that oh i didn't know they did that um so it's cool to see that's part of why credits are so important but let's hear this record this is uh your love keeps me satisfied by dj rogers
Rogers. Oh, wait a minute. We're going to the next song. Got to get on my Grizzly. That's my bad, y'all. I had, uh, had food in my mouth. I didn't want didn't to do y'all like that. <laughs> Check it out. We're about to play a new one. Well, not new. This one is from an artist that I really enjoy a lot a guy by the name of thundercat and this is from the screwed and chopped version of his last album that album came out in 2017 and it was called drunk and this album is called drank because it slowed down it's screwed and chopped some of y'all know about screwed and chopped music but it's screwed and chopped which means you basically slow the album down and you kind of mess around with the play, like how it plays. You'll hear it when you when you get on here, but I love it. I've been listening to Screwed and Chop music since I was in high school. Uh, back when we used to download it off of the internet, we couldn't really get it on CDs and stuff like that, but we could find it on uh, peer-to-peer sharing sites. And this, is, uh, this one is actually sanctioned by somebody I've been listening to since that time, OG Ron C., OG Ron C and the Chop Stars out of Houston, Texas. So, uh, mixed by DJ Candlestick and OG Ron C. But, uh, yeah, so this song, I'm going to play a couple songs off of this because they're real, they're, the first one's real short and they're right by each other. So, the first one is going to be called Day and Night. And then the next one is a fan's mail 
Tron song, Sweet Number Two. Now, the second song is of note. It's produced by Soundwave. Soundwave is a part of TDE. TDE is where you get Kendrick Lamar, Schoolboy Q, J-Rock, Absol, SZA, Isaiah Rashad, Lance Skywalker, um, Sir, and I think that's everyone. I think I got it. But yeah, so that's the, you know, so there's a connection there. Thundercat is also from L.A. He's from not too far away from where Kendrick Lamar grew up. So he has a lot of music with Kendrick Lamar. You know, the L.A. musicians, I would say in the last, let's see, probably about last, I don't know, 10 years or so. They, they've done a really good job of supporting each other as a community and they work with each other. I'm sure they probably have the same issues we have in my city, but there's a lot of major names from L.A. And when you look at those names and you start to read credits, you find out they have all, a lot of them have worked with each other as well. So like Terrace Martin has also worked with Kendrick Lamar, but he's also worked with Thundercat. He's another name. Uh, Monopoly is floating around on this record. He does, has a, has a joint on here. He produced friend zone. And so when you, you know, he also produced a record on untitled unmastered, which is by Kendrick Lamar. And so you just see how, you know, the importance of collaborating I mean, with people that you feel like you have, you know, good collaboration uh, wavelengths with, if you will. So when you find people you can work with on the same things, it's it's uh, awesome. So we're going to play these records. Stud the cat. Drink.
with the regular speed to this, the regular version. Yeah, I love that he says this. No chops. Straight album version. My boy Thundercat is called Drunk. Yeah, if you ain't got that, then you slipping on your pippin, you feel me, man? Slagging on your back and player, gotta get the regular speed. Always jam the regular speed. Hear me, man. Let's go, DJ Count Stick. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. Those uh, songs were called Day and Night and a Fan's Mail, Tron Song Suite 2, from Thundercat, Drank, which is put together by OG Ron C and the Chop Stars, specifically DJ Candlestick and OG Ron C. Another thing I love about Screwed and Chop music is that it was a way for me to hear what DJs could do. You know, I was really familiar with like a turntablism, more more of a more of a turntablist type of DJing, where you know, like Rock Raider type, you know, DJ Babu, uh, Qbert, that that kind of like hardcore scratching and all this other kind of stuff like that, which is incredible. But Screwed and Chop music. It was, it was made by DJs. It's still made by DJs. And it's, you know, somebody with their hands putting these records together. And, uh, you know, that just the way that it's done, you really would have to look into it on your own to figure out, get more of the details. But it's an incredible, I, I feel like it's an incredible art form. It is a a wonderful piece of hip-hop history, of a very unique local trend that has spread across the globe. Um, and I know it's not for everybody, but it's for me and it's my podcast. So there you go. All right, next tune I'm going to play. I got to get it queued up. We're going to play a record by De La Soul from their first album, which is titled Three Feet High and Rising. Anybody that knows anything about hip-hop will tell you this is a classic, uh, including myself. This record is a monument to what can be done with hip-hop production and at the time and even now, uh, produced by Prince Paul and co-produced by De La Soul. And Prince Paul is just, you know... His work with De La Soul is incredible. His work by himself is incredible. His work with the Grave Diggers. His work with the Handsome Boy Modeling School, or I think that's the name of it. I mean, he's done, Prince Paul has been involved in a lot of things in hip-hop, and you would have to, another person you'd have to go and look up on your own time. Prince Paul, incredible life's work, incredible volumes of work, incredible producer. And so on this record, we're going to play Ghetto Thang, which is... uh. You know, probably not what people would feel like you would hear usually from this record, but I love Ghetto Thing. It's a good record. Um, I think it really highlights De La Soul's ability to use poetry and poetic structure and a, a seriousness about their craft as writers. This is a good display of that. So that's why I really like it. All right, here we go. It's a De La Soul ghetto thing. This is, uh, let's see, 1989. Mary had a little lamb. That's a fib. She had two twins, though, and one crib. Now, she's only 14. What a start, but this effect is ground common in these parts. 
Now life in this world can be such a bitch And dreams are often torn and shattered and hard to stitch Negative the attitude that runs the show when the stage is the G-H-E-T-T-O Which is the one to blame when bullets blow? Either Peter, Jane, or John or Joe But Joe can't shoot a gun, he's always drunk And Peter's pimping Jane, and John's a punk Infested all the halls, also the brain Daddy's broken down from ghetto pains Mommy's flying high, the truth is shown The kids are all alone, cause it's just the ghetto thing The baddest brother, the one to rule This title is sought by the coolest fool Define coolest fool, easy, the one who needs Attention in the largest span and loves to lead Always found at the jams, but never dance Just provoke violence due to one glance The future plays no matter just the present flow And the greeting place is the G-H-E-T-T-O Lies are pointed strong into your skull Deep within your brain, against the walls To hide or just erase a glowing note Of how to use the ghetto as a scapegoat Truth from true boy's mouth is here to scar Those who blame the G for all bizarre So open up your fence and record well Cause this is where we stand for the true tale Ghetto gain the ghetto name from ghetto ways Now there could be some ghetto gangs and ghetto play If ghetto thing can have its way and ghetto range Then there must be some ghetto love and ghetto change Though confident they keep it kept We know for fact they lie like ghetto's form Cause people lack to see that they must all get out The ghetto hole, the truth they never told Cause it's just the ghetto fact People really wish when they blow out the cake candles, and if so, is it for the sunken truth which could arise from out the characters in which the ghetto hides? Roses in the ring supply, no shown relief, granted it's planted by no shown belief. Killing feet off your own, brother man has quickly been adopted as the master plan. Posses of our people has yet to provoke freedom or death to them, it's just a joke. What causes this defect? I don't know. Maybe it's the G H E T T O. Is nothing felt when problems hold more value but never dealt with Buildings crumbling to the ground Impact noise is silent sound But who's the one to say this life is wrong When ghetto life is chosen strong We seem to be misled about our dreams Cause dreams ain't what it seems When it's just a ghetto thing Soul Ghetto Thing from 1989 from Three Feet High and Rising. Ah, man. I love that record. I I love the writing. May not sound real complicated, but that writing is, is, that's a lot of work. I'll tell you, man, as as an MC who has written rhymes, I've written a lot of rhymes in my life, man. Rhyming like that and like coming up with, you know, the structure for the rhyme and then you got to figure out ways to tell the story using the rhyme pattern and so then you you know like the the amount of work in that 
is great. I'm sorry about the stand noise, but this, this is great. That's why I love De La. De La Soul are legends, arguably the greatest group in hip-hop history. Definitely one of the greatest groups in the history of recorded music. You can quote me. All right, so this next one. Gonna switch it up. Gonna push back to 2000. Let's see, when did this come out? 17? Uh, of course, there's a sticker over the date. Come on, y'all. Sticker placement. You put the sticker over the date on these on these records, and then we can't figure out when it came out. 2018 is when this came out. That's what I thought, but this is Unknown Mortal Orchestra. Man, shout out to my homeboy, Rob Peone. Um, that is how, I, I hope I said his last name right, but to my man, Rob P, this is, uh, Unknown Mortal Orchestra was like one of the first groups he suggested to me when he found out I had a Spotify account. I remember talking to him about this on Twitter. And he was like, yeah, he's like, go check out Unknown Mortal Orchestra. He's like, "That's they're great. He's like, check them out. Um, most of the Unknown Mortal Orchestra's music is played by by just one dude. Um, let me find his name. I want to make sure I get the right dude in the credits. I'm pretty sure it's Ruben Nielsen. And Ruben Nielsen, let me make sure. Let me, let me, let me double check that. Yeah, Ruben Nielsen is his name. He's he's New Zealand. He uh, he's New Zealand. He's from New Zealand, originally from New Zealand. He's born in New Zealand, but now I think he now lives. I don't know. Maybe in America. I don't know. I'm not sure. However, I know that he's funky, and you know, Unknown Mortal Orchestra is the name of the band. They got a couple of different albums. Unknown Mortal Orchestra is one of them, and then two, and then Multi Love, and then Sex and Food. This album is Sex and Food, and the record that I'm going to play on here is called Honey Bee, and it, it, I love this record. It's, got some, it's just so funky, and um, you know, he's playing uh, guitar, piano, Rhodes, synthesizer, 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 and then uh, Jacob Portrait is playing bass, Cody Nielsen on drums, and Naomi Wynn on violin, but uh, whew, let me get to that. I love it. It's just got a nice little groove to it. But shout out to my man, Rob P, for telling me about this. I would have had no idea who this band was. It's been three years. I think um, I think Multilove had just come out or was getting ready to come out. Um, or maybe, I think maybe the first record that he told me about was probably, I mean, I start at the beginning when people tell me about a record. But I think he told me to go check out two first. And then I got up on that. Um and then, uh, you know, then they had an EP. Yeah, the Blue Record is another little record that came out. That's the EP in 2013. And then Multi Love in 2015. My jam on Multi Love is the jam on there, the, the, the title record. There's a lot of jams on there, but that's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a funky one right there. And then um, on this new record, Sex and Food, you know, they haven't put out Honey Bee as a single either, according to, according to the, the interwebs. But man, I feel like this is uh, y'all tell me what y'all think when y'all hear. But I feel like this is one you could just throw into a mix a good, a good R and B based mix, a good like just jamming, you know, just a little mix where it's real funky. That's why you hearing it here with me. It's Mr. Kinetic on Buddy Speak So Well. This one is uh, Unknown Mortal Orchestra. It's called Honey Bee.
2018 right there uh let's see the name of that album is sex and food and that was released on sorry uh yeah this all vinyl thing there's some quirks to this that i don't normally have to run or run into when i do a set on serato you know you got needle noise and all kind of stuff like that this came out on what record jag 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 Juar. Jag Jaguar? J A G J A G U W A R. Jag Jaguar. I guess it's the name of the record label. But Unknown Mortal Orchestra Sex and Food, 2018. That was Honeybee. Y'all tell me. You know, you, when you when you get a chance, hit me up and let me know what you think. Is that is that a record that should be getting played more? I think it is. But uh I think it's a really solid record. It's got that sweet that, that vocal on it is real sweet. Honey bee, huh? Oh man, that's my that's my cut. Now, if you if you catch me while I'm out DJing, you might you might hear that one. I like to play that one. That's a good one to play. This next record that uh, we're gonna fire up right here is uh, one that I have. I bought this record. Let's see, 
uh, like three or four dollars, I guess, maybe back in like 2010. And it's Alfonso Johnson, Moonshadows is the name of the album. It's uh, from 1976. Alfonso Johnson is primarily a bass player. You find him in a lot of fusion jazz records. He's played with uh, played with a lot of people. George Duke, uh, Billy Cobham are probably the two biggest ones. But on this album, you got Patrice Russian is playing on here. Flora Piram is playing on here. Um, Benny Maupin. Um, Ndugu Leon Chancellor on drums. Alejandro Acuna. Erto Moreira. Uh, Gary Bartz, Alphonse Muzon, like yes, yeah, there's Blackbird McKnight, who's later in P Funk, and I think it's still in P Funk, maybe. Uh, Lee Rittenauer, you know, there's a lot of a lot of really strong players on this record, and Alfonso Johnson's playing bass, um, and is also doing some of the singing. And I just, oh man, I really love this song that I'm getting ready to play. This one is called "Up from the Cellar," and yeah, Patrice Russian is playing keys on this, and Lee Rittenauer and Blackbird McKnight on guitar, on the guitar parts, and then Alfonso Johnson playing bass. Those are like the biggest things that stand out for me. And Willy Gonga on the mini Moog. But, whew, just, yeah. I mean, there's one thing I love about music that I guess you could call jazz uh, is that the way that you play with time in terms of even how long your composition is in jazz, it's just something that is really, I've always loved that you can, you can go through so many different feelings, you know, in a song because sometimes songs in jazz just tend to be longer. You know, there's a lot of long, you know, a lot of long records, just a jazz tradition, just kind of stretch out. But, uh, this song has some, different dynamics to it because of the length of it but i just really 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 love a certain part of this song and i've sampled it um on a record that i have never put out it's just something i like sampled i just wanted to hear it in that way for myself and maybe i'll release it at some point but i just this is alfonso johnson this is up from the cellar it's from 1976 on his album titled moon shadows on cbs Thank you. 
Alfonso Johnson right there with Up From The Cellar. And you hear how many different areas and styles and themes that music goes through in the course of that composition. It's really great. I really, really, really love how much that moves. Especially the down part. The, the Oh man, that part is, that part is pretty. Anywho. That was 1976 right there, Alfonso Johnson. But hey, let's let's move on for just a second, if we can. So, I mean, you know, it's a well-discussed belief, and it's not wrong totally, that the Jackson 5, outside of, or the Jackson family period, outside of Michael and Janet, there's like very few hits outside of those two that's what and i think we could probably quantify that but what i will also say is that there are some jams now there's a difference between to me some could be a jam and never be a hit you understand what i'm saying it could just be Something that's really, really dope and it's funky, but that just because it's not a hit don't mean it's not funky. You know, just maybe it wasn't recognized for what it was. And so Jermaine Jackson has some records like that. Um, Let's Get Serious is a record by Jermaine that's just, you can't front on that record. That record is dope. Um, There's another, you know, let's see, what's another Jermaine Jackson? Oh, Castles of Sand is another one by Jermaine Jackson that's just, like Jermaine got some cuts, man. We can't just sit up here and act like Jermaine ain't never made nothing worth listening to. He definitely has made some stuff worth listening to. Um, you know, if we, even if you go back as far to like 1973, when he, um, or 1972, I guess that would be the first solo single, but then that creepy, weird, I'm sorry, y'all, this song is weird to me. Daddy's Home 
is a weird this weird that song is weird to me your daddy's home to stay like it's just uh, such a weird this seems weird on so many levels but he had a hit with that though that was number nine that was jermaine jackson back in 1973 so he was young then um but you know let's get serious obviously has steve is a, is a number one hit on the u.s on the r&b chart but that's uh you know with, with steve being involved and then do what you do in the 80s. Why don't you do what you do and you do it? Like, you know, that's kind of corny. You know, slow jam ballad. But uh, there's a person in the family that has a record that I am just a huge fan of. The record, anyway. is uh, Jackie Jackson. And the name of the song is Love Don't Want to Leave. Now, this came out in 1973 on Motown, Motown Record Corporation. So basically, this is in a, they get out to L.A. And it's like, how many Jacksons can we give an album to? So Mike has his solo stuff. Jermaine has a solo record. Obviously, Mike had a solo record first, then Jermaine. And then Jackie gets a solo record. And I don't think anybody else ever got one after that on Motown anyway. And there's a reason why, because when the, a lot of this record is, in my opinion, is not, it's not very good. Um <laughs> it just sounds like song it's like we got to cash in but um you know this is produced by the corporation which was a a group of like musicians and producers and songwriters that did the bulk of the work that we know for jackson five records so if you a lot of your jackson five records that you really enjoy the corporation probably had something to do with them so it would be um who it's listed as is Barry Gordy, Alfonso Mizell, Freddie Perrin, and Deke Richards. Those are, that's the people that are listed. Now, if you know anything about Motown, you know that it could have been a lot more people, you know, that were involved because people weren't getting credited. So I'm not really sure who I was playing on these records. I've heard a lot of different things about a lot who's played on records for the corporation. I heard that some of the Crusaders were playing on these records. So like Joe Sample, Wilton Felder, um, I don't know, the L.A. studio musicians is who's playing on this. Probably, maybe James Jamerson is on some of this stuff. Probably, um, I don't know. It's it's hard to say because they didn't credit any musicians on, on the majority of Motown records. There's no credits for the musicians. And so it's really kind of hard to say. A lot of it's left up to just what you can find out on the internet. But some of the songs that the corporation is responsible for, just to give you an idea, would be ABC, uh, going back to Indiana, I want you back. Um, the love you save, Mama's Pearl, maybe tomorrow, uh, Sugar Daddy, um, uh, Christmas record, Give Love on Christmas Day, which is a jam, which is interesting from a family that was Jehovah's Witness. Uh, you got a Christmas record and several Christmas records, um, and they also did this one that I'm about to play right here, which is called Love Don't Want to Leave. And so you, whether you knew it or not, you knew about the corporation, but now you know a little bit more than you did, maybe. Maybe you know more than me. If you do, hit me up. But uh, Love Don't Want to Leave by Jackie Jackson. This is 
now you know we could all that's Jackie Jackson right there with Love Don't Wanna Leave from 1973 from his self-titled album I believe possibly his only album um you know <laughs> man it'd be like that sometimes I mean I guess you can always wonder and speculate like what would have happened if that had been a Michael Jackson record like what if they had gave that to Mike you know what if they were like oh well Let's give Mike that record instead. I mean, of course, you know, like I said, that's speculation. Who knows? But because this is something. Oh, he had another album in 1989. So he only ever had two albums. Yeah. Dang. 1973 and 1989. Now. We're going to play a little game right here. We're going to look at. Let's see. So that's 1973. So hold that. So. Let's think, guys. That let's, let's think, everybody. That song might be, might have been ready to go. For the sake of our conversation, we're gonna say that song was ready to go. And hmm, let's say we're gonna say it's ready to go in 1972. So, this is the beautiful part of the internet. So I'm on discogs.com. D-I-S-C-O-G-S.com. And what I like to do on here is spend way too much time looking at stuff that doesn't really matter. Um, but it matters to me, I guess. So I'm going to go to Michael Jackson's discography. And I'm going to go to 1973. And in 1973, Mike had an album out called Music In Me, which I also have that somewhere around here. Music In Me, the only song I think people... Hmm, with the child's heart is probably the one people... Uh, maybe people know. Uh... There's this is a kind of a strange album for Mike too. I like some stuff on here, but it's a oh, music in me. We've been together music. That's all. Um, you know, so that's on there. But there's also Euphoria is on there, which is a stone. It's a jam. I'm gonna find that. I'm gonna play that later on the show. I'm gonna play that after I play this next one. We got We got to play that. That record is great. Really for the sake of conversation so we can hear what was going on at the same time between the two. So it's interesting to think about. That was Jackie's record. And honestly, you can go and find the album. I don't think that there's anything else worth playing on this record. Um, Didn't I blow your mind this time? There's a cover of that. But which would be Didn't I Blow Your Mind This Time? It's Delphonics, I think, right? Let me see. Is that right? That's Delphonic's record. Um, so that's on there. but And it's cool to just hear covers and stuff, but Love Don't Want to Leave is a, I, I think it slaps. You know, I like it. Wish I could have did more for Jackie, but it's tough when you're, your brother's Michael Jackson. Um, thing is, though, 1973, Michael Jackson puts out music in me. Doesn't put out an album in 74, a solo album. Puts out Forever Michael in 75 doesn't put out another solo album until 89 or 79 and that's when you get off the wall we could talk about it later but off the wall the jacksons had a family record called destiny that record did really well and then off the wall if off the wall doesn't work for michael jackson off the wall that's it michael jackson's career is over that's my theory if that if that album doesn't work his career is over He'd already had like a four-year gap. Um, if you're familiar with the story at all, you know he had a lot of 
a lot of I mean he was a teenager growing up so he had stuff going on that happens to teenagers but you take that and you add into a lesson um uh, an environment at home that wasn't always productive and was dysfunctional and then you you're a teenager but then you're also really famous and so a lot of weird stuff very unique experience as a human but off the wall is the one that that sets his career on fire in my opinion thriller is the one that just goes nuclear but off the wall happens in a big way for michael jackson and the rest is history but when you see that gap between forever michael and off the wall there are some jackson albums in there and some of them are okay and some of them aren't i mean there's some stuff when they put out on philly international when they went with gamble and huff and then they moved over to cbs um was it cbs they moved over to or was it epic you know so they start moving around record labels they leave motown and you get to this kind of like man like what's going to happen you know it's like a dynasty and it's like what's going to happen with them not cbs so they went went over to epic um but you get a jackson's album in 76 there's two in 76 and then destiny in 78 off the wall in 79 boom that's that's where it all takes off so I'm going to find that Euphoria record, and I'm going to play that in a little bit. That'll be the last one I play. So we got two left. This one right here is called uh, Don't Ask My Neighbors by The Emotions. A little background. This is written by Skip Scarborough. Skip Scarborough worked very closely with Earth, Wind & Fire um, and Maurice White, specifically with Maurice White and Earth, Wind & Fire. So this the thing behind The Emotions record is produced by Maurice White for Kalimba Productions. So basically, um, if you want to think about it this way, these are... These are Earth, Wind, and Fire records that were like it's it's like the same personnel in some ways, and it's the same writer and the same uh, same band almost sometimes, and the same producer. And so we think about Skip Scarborough has been involved in a ton of things, a lot, just way more hits than anybody than we could even really get into. Um, a lot of them that people would know would probably come from his work with Earth, Wind & Fire and The Emotions. So like if we go to the All in All album, so this Don't Ask My Neighbors comes out in 1977 on Columbia. Um, All in All by Earth, Wind & Fire comes out in 1977 on Columbia Records. Columbia Records is also where um, Miles Davis was on Columbia Records. And you look at Let's look at the credits right here. Still going through Discogs, man. This is just all just from my phone. Skip Scarborough is one of the writers of Love's Holiday, which is a classic record uh, by Earth, Wind & Fire. So you're, you you have all these connections and these people making things happen in the, the music industry, uh, if you want to call it that, to connect talent to talent. And so that's what you get when you get these emotions records. And if you're not familiar with Don't Ask My Neighbors, as soon as you hear it, you're going to be like, oh, that is some Earth, Wind & Fire stuff right there. And that's because it's, it's kind of the same people working on it. Um, in fact, on this record, uh, Maurice White is playing drums, which is originally how he started. Um, Maurice White was a drummer for Ramsey Lewis for quite some time. Um, and then he started Earth, Wind & Fire with his brothers and a couple other people. And Skip Scarborough's playing the Rhodes on this record which is an electric piano. And if to make another connection back to um, the DJ Rogers record, James Gatson is playing drums on this same album. He's playing on some different records that I'm not going to play, but he's on the same album. So you see, I just all kind of, you know, 
when you're really good at what you do, people will find you is what I found out. And so when you, you know, it seems obvious, but it's true a lot of times. But when you look at like the, you know, record credits, you start to see these same names. And this is something that I got in the habit of doing when I started to really want to buy more records. I wanted to like guarantee my investment as much as I could. So I would really, really, really take my love for reading credits and apply it when I would go out and buy records. And if I couldn't read credits on a record, I, you know, it's frustrating when I go to the store and they have it like sealed and all this kind of stuff. You can't take the record out. Can't look at the, I hate that. Um, and I like won't buy a record a lot of times if I can't look at that kind of stuff. But uh, looking at those credits helped me figure out like, okay, so if, if, if James Gatson is playing on this record and I find him on another one, it's probably going to be jamming because I know his work. You know, and I know at least that will stand out. And that I think that's a really good way for people to get into more than one style of music. Just look for people in the credits and old music that you like and then go and find other records that they played on and listen to those. Usually you'll find some more stuff that you like. And, you know, if you're not hip to it, then you learn something new. And if you are kind of hip to it, you get to have a good, you know, a good moment for a few tunes or however long you listen to it. So this one's from 1977. This is The Emotions and it's called Don't Ask My Neighbors. Don't be afraid 
to hear that song. That's the emotions. Don't ask my neighbor. From 1977. 1977. On Columbia Records. Now, what I want to point out is that the copy of that record that I played just now is from my parents' collection. My father gave me all of their records years ago, probably 10 or 12 years ago. And uh, I didn't think about it at the time, but now that I have these records, I find these notes or like just their name, like it just has his name on the sleeve and has my mom's name on the label, her maiden name. So it's like when they were still dating, it's just kind of neat. Someday they won't be around, but the records will be around in their handwriting. My mom's beautiful cursive handwriting and my dad's okay cursive writing. <laughs> um, I'll be able to tell my own, my own children. And yeah, these are your grandparents' records. You know, and this is when they were dating and blah, blah, blah. It's neat. But anyway, that's that tune. Now the last one, I went and found it for you because we got to hear it. You know, if you know me really well, you know I don't like to talk about music and then not hear it. I like to hear it if I'm going to talk about it. Talk about it too long, then I want to hear it. And so this is Euphoria by Michael Jackson. This is from 1973 on his album Music and Me. The tune that probably would be the one that people would know on this would definitely be um, Music and Me. But um, there's some other stuff on here. I mean, I guess, you know... It's album's not it's not horrible. But there's like a version of Michael singing all the things you are, which is like you know, I got like whose idea I don't know whose idea that was. Um But this record, Euphoria, let's talk about this for a second. There's some big names involved in this record. It's produced by Hal Davis. Alright? So Hal Davis. Let's give you a quick rundown of Hal Davis. Hal Davis is uh Pretty strong resume. Rest in peace. Pretty strong resume. He was uh, primarily a producer for Motown for like 30 years. And he was a key key part of the Jackson 5's later career on Motown. So Dancing Machine, he's involved in. I'll Be There. You know, he's involved in those records. But he's also involved, you know, involved in a lot of other stuff. Uh, you know, he apparently worked with Bette Midler on a 1975 Motown record that's never been released, I guess, maybe. But uh, he produced Love Hangover by Diane Ross and Don't Leave Me This Way by Thelma Houston. So he's got some cuts, but he's also on, he's the producer for the record. The arrangement is done by Gene Page. Gene Page is a composer and an arranger. Another black man. So there's all, you know, there's all this is real cool to learn you know, as a young, as a young black man, I was hearing about all these awesome, you know, composer, arranger, like, you know, I was in orchestra and band when I was a kid. And it's like, oh, they like, you know, writing sheet music and arrangements like full, you know, big time. Gene Page has been involved with, with so much stuff that, uh, you know, see, this is always fun when you go to look for somebody and you like have to thumb through a bunch of stuff. Mostly. I think we will mostly attach uh, 
Gene Page's name to a lot of work with, with Barry White would be where we would find Gene Page on a lot of his stuff. Um, he has something like 1,287 different listings of arrangement on Discogs, which for those of you who don't Discog, that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot of pages of flipping through. So I'm at, I'm just going through all the different, what it does, it, it puts every time that somebody's been listening to the credits, if it's, if it's notated properly by people who upload the information on here, usually for sale, I bought a lot of records on Discogs in the day, but, uh, then I can just kind of flip through and just see all the times that he was listed as an arranger. I mean, Johnny Mathis, uh, Stanley Turrentine, Gladys Knight. Uh, let's see who else we got here. Surprised by the amount of Johnny Mathis records. He must have been getting money. Dusty Springfield, uh, Gloria Gaynor, Rose Royce, um, the Manhattan Transfer, Denise Williams. Let's see. Diana Ross, you know, just an extensive, extensive career. And this is all after the record that I'm about to play. So these are all things that he done, he did after that. But Love's Unlimited Orchestra and the stuff he was doing with Barry White, um, you know, and he's got his own albums too. Telly Savalas. Telly Savalas has an album? Oh, man, wow. Wow. Nancy Wilson. Yeah, there's, I mean, you know. Then you get into the Barry White stuff in about 75, 74, 73, all that, that era. But anyway, so Gene Page is the arranger. And then one of the writers, uh, we got Jacqueline Hilliard, who I don't know much about, but Leon Ware. Leon Ware is another big-time writer, was involved with Motown. Marvin Gaye's album, I Want You, is basically Leon Ware's musical massage album. And that is the name of the album. So the story, as legend has it, for that album is that Marvin Gaye heard Leon Ware's album playing. And he was at, I guess they were at the studio. This is always what I've been told and what I've read. This is, he hears it and is like, what is that? And they tell him, well, it's Leon Ware's album. He's working on an album. And Marvin is like, nah, I need that. This, now, I don't know how accurate this is, but this is the story that I have always heard. Is that basically Leon Ware was a staff writer, producer, you know, he wasn't Marvin Gaye. And this is, uh, this is after, let's see, I Want You comes out after Let's Get It On. So there's a three, there's like a three year break in studio albums so in 76 you get I Want You but really it's just I mean if you go listen to both albums is there are parts of musical massage that are not on I Want You but there's um, there's parts of I Want You that aren't on musical massage so there's like you you can look at it and you, you can you definitely can hear it. If you go and play it, you'll hear the songs and you'll think like, wow, that's basically a Leon Ware song. And, you know, Leon Ware also wrote. He's a co-writer for I Want to Be Where You Are by Michael Jackson. So that's back in 1972. So he had been around. Let's see. Is it 72? 71. 
It was recorded in 71, but it came out in 72. So he's been around for a while. Um, so this isn't the first instance of a song of his being on a Michael Jackson album, but Euphoria is a song that uh, stands out for me from this album. What I like to think about is like, uh, I just really, in case you can't tell, love the details of music. And this is a tune that I wonder, like, what if somebody else would have did it? Like, what if this was a, what if this was a Marvin Gaye record? What if by by this time Stevie Wonder was writing his own stuff, so it wouldn't have made its way to Stevie. But just like, what if it had been different? It's great the way that it is, but I always stop and think, like, what if it had been different? Um, Leon Weir obviously goes on, continues to make music. You know, he then he, you know, I Want You by Marvin Gaye turns out to be a huge record. I totally recommend that you listen to Musical Massage if you've never heard it. It's great. Um, I think I mean I I like both of them. There are like there's a version of Come Live With Me Angel on Musical Massage that I think, um, you know, I don't want to say I like Leon Ware's version more, but they're they're different in a way that like I, I really Leon Ware's album is great. It's great what Marvin Gaye was able to do with it. But Leon Ware's album is great by itself. You listen to Musical Massage. There's there are so many great parts of that album. Marvin Gaye was smart to be like, I should work with this dude. I should figure out a way to be involved with this. And wouldn't you know it, we got another James Gatson sighting on the drums on Musical Massage. So, you know, also interesting, some interesting names on that record. Um, Bobby Womack is on that record. Hal Davis produced parts of Musical Massage. Um, Eddie Bongo Brown playing congas. Chuck Rainey playing bass. Chuck Rainey was another one who's a big player probably on Motown. That wasn't listed earlier, but, you know, it's been said to be around. He later plays with Steely Dan and a bunch of other people. Um, Minnie Riperton is singing on Musical Massage. It's it's a great record. So look that up. So that's the connection. And uh, this is going to be the last song I play here on Buddy Speaks So Well. What I hope that I've been able to do in the course of this, this has been really helpful for me to just be able to record these, these records and talk about some of the stories behind some of them um, as much as I know about them. I'd like to thank you for tuning in throughout the podcast this is but he speaks so well every episode is a little bit different than another one and some of them are closer to each other than others i can't recall a lot of times that i've just spent time kind of talking about records in between playing them but it was really fun to do that maybe i'll do it more often thank you all for tuning in and making it this far i know that i have some friends and met some people that like listen to four-hour podcasts about history so um once I heard that, I'm like, well, I guess I can stop and talk about the record a little bit more on the podcast if people are into that kind of thing. Somebody will like it. Um, if you do like it, make sure you hit me up on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram primarily. I do have a Facebook page. I don't mess with Facebook a whole lot anymore. But uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. My Instagram stories are where I have the most fun. At Mr. Kinetic, M-R-K-I-N-E-T-I-K. Uh, just go and follow me. Stick with me. I got some more stuff coming for you and your family and your friends and whoever else you want to share this stuff with. You guys are great. I love you so much. Enjoy this last tune.